This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Andrea Dukakis. Nothing seems to phase Master Sergeant Israel D.T. Del Toro Jr. He was severely burned during an explosion in Afghanistan 11 years ago. Now he's a gold medal shot putter and the first fully disabled airman to re-enlist in the Air Force. He lives in Colorado Springs and hopes to make the U.S. Paralympic team that's headed to Rio this summer. D.T., welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me here. You've served in the Air Force around the world from Bosnia to South Korea. A roadside bomb exploded under your Humvee during your second tour in Afghanistan. That was in 2005. Explain what happened. Uh, well, we're on a mission. Uh, we had orders that there was a high-value target out in the area. So we had to either uh, capture or kill him. So we're out there a couple of days, and the day I got hurt, we were on our way to pick up the other half of our team. And that's when we I, we crossed this creek, and 200 meters after we crossed this creek, I feel this intense heat blast on the left side, and I realize, like, holy crap, we just got hit. Uh, so, you know, people talk about how your life flashes in front of you, and you know, I never believed that, but when I got hit, everything slowed down, and I just started thinking of my family, you know. Me and my wife are finally going to get married by the church. You know, we we're going to go to Greece for a honeymoon and teach my boy how to play baseball, then something clicked, and I got out of the truck. But when I got out of the truck, I was on fire from head to toe. Mm. And But I I realized that creek was behind me, so I tried to run to it. But the flames overtook me, and I collapsed. And I and I lay there thinking that I was going to die there, that I had broken my promise, that I will always come back, you know, that, that I would not let my son grow up without his dad. And that's when uh, one of my teammates helps me up, and we both jumped into the creek to extinguish the flames. Mm. Uh, uh you know, when I got hit, people think, was like, man, that's great. You know, you probably got done. I was like, no, you know, because when I got hit, my teammates that we were going to pick up got caught in a crossfire. Mm. So they were calling back for help. Uh, they needed a close air support, and that was my job. I called in close air support, meaning I'm the one who directs the aircrafts where to drop the bombs or even a gun strafe. So you couldn't do that, obviously, and you were severely injured. What were your injuries? Uh, well, at the time, you know, I just, I looked at myself, I was like, okay, I look, I have all my fingers, I got everything. You know, I, I did feel like my eyebrows were a little singed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but afterwards, after the whole thing, you know, when I woke up from my coma, you know, I received third degree burns on 80% of my body. You know, I lost my fingers, you know, I have nerve damage on my right foot. You know, they gave me 15% chance to live. Uh, and told me I was going to be on respiratory for the rest of my life and probably not walk again. And you did. I did. You know, I I beat the odds. You know, two months after they told me that, you know, I walked out out of the hospital walking and breathing on my own. You accidentally saw yourself in the mirror after the explosion. Um, you hadn't wanted to see yourself so soon. What did you think when you looked in the mirror? You know, uh, throughout my recovery, I never had wished I died until I did. You know, I call that my darkest hour because I saw myself and I broke down. I really did. I really broke down. I wanted to die because I thought, I was like, God, at the time I was 30 years old, if I if I think I'm a monster, I was like, what's my uh, three-year-old son going to think? You know, because no father wants his child to be afraid of him. And my son meant the whole world to me, you know. He was my entire motivation. Uh, so it was a big fear for me. It really was. And it took, 
you know, I call him my guardian angel, Gary, uh, my therapist, because he was there with me with my wife. And he's the one that convinced me. He's like, DT, so many people look up to you. They see how hard you push, you know, every day. It's like, trust me, it's like all your son, all your son wants is his dad. And like I said, it took about almost 40 minutes to get me back into, you know, push that back in my head saying, okay, my son just wants me. It's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And when you saw your son, uh, talk about that. It's a great story when you first saw him. Yeah, you know, uh, when I got out of the hospital and I walked into the house, you know, I remember seeing my family members, some of my teammates, and then my wife calling out to my son saying, hey, you know, dad's here. And he comes running out and he stops and I get scared because, uh, you know, I'm I'm still covered up in bandages and all that. And I'm thinking, it's like, oh, my God, he's afraid. He's afraid. He's not going to want to hold me or anything. But he just tilts his head to the left and says, Papi. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. And he just comes up and gives me the most amazing hug I've ever had in my life. And, of course, my wife's like, don't hurt your dad. Don't hurt your dad. And I was like, be quiet. I was like, let me hold my son because I, I hadn't seen him since August of 2005. That was the last time I saw and him. And this was when? This was around May 2006. You just competed in the Invictus Games, which is an international competition for wounded servicemen and women. And you won gold in shot put for the second time. Invictus means unconquered. And I understand you had never done shot put before. How did you learn? Yeah, you know, I never never did track and field in high school or in college. You know, I was a football, baseball, soccer player. But when you're going through recovery, they introduce you to adaptive sports because most of us are we're athletes at some point. So sometimes you think, it's like, am I ever going to be able to do sports again? So they introduce you to adaptive sports to kind of get you back out in this society, get you going. And they introduced track and field to me, you know, throwing. And I thought I could never do it. But they told me, DT, you're injured because of your hand. You have the perfect injury for shot put. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, most people will try and cuff the, the shot put with their fingers, and you don't have that problem. So when you throw, you just launch it. Most people try and throw it like a baseball. So you have, you, get, you have an advantage that way. So, you know, it just worked out that I was able to do it. We're speaking with Master Sergeant Israel D.T. Del Toro, Jr. He was severely wounded in Afghanistan, and he reenlisted in the Air Force despite being 100% medically disabled. Del Toro is part of the Air Force World Class Athlete Program. He was one of the speakers at last week's Invictus Games opening ceremonies. You were actually the first 100% medically disabled airman to reenlist in the Air Force. Why did you go back? Uh, you know, I get asked that question, you know, cause people ask me, it's like, DT, you could make so much more money as a retired guy. But my thing is, it's very hard to find a job that you truly love. And I really love my job. And then the other reason is, you know, I want to retire on my terms. I want to retire on the terms on the guys that left that bomb to try to end my life. And I want to give them that satisfaction. You know, maybe I'm stubborn, but you know, I want to retire when I'm ready to retire on my terms. When you first returned to service six years ago, you trained airmen to call in airstrikes, and that's what you did for many years, as you said earlier. Now you're part of the Air Force World Class Athlete Program. What does it mean to you? What did it mean to you to win the gold medal in the Invictus Games? 
Uh, well, well, for me, you know, winning that gold there at the Invictus Games was was almost too emotional, I guess, to explain because it, it just felt so great, such an amazing feeling to be there with all these other service members from different countries rooting me on, and then my family and strangers rooting me on and be able to to win gold there with them. Because usually when I do travel to compete, my family's not there with me, but to have them there with me and seeing me win and seeing me receive that gold was just an amazing feeling. We should say that along with the shot put, you've set world records in the javelin and discus. What are your chances of heading to Rio this summer? Well, hopefully they're they're, they're pretty good. You know, uh, you know, I just gotta hit, hit my marks. You know, keep showing the coaches that I can go further and further and stronger and stronger, and hopefully get selected. You know. But sometimes us field guys, we like to say we're the redheaded stepchild of the track and field because mm-hmm. usually they'll take more runners than, than the field guys. But, you know, as long as I show that I can compete and win, you know, I think I have a pretty good chance, hopefully. How do you train? Well, it's it's very rigor, rigorous. You know, based on what day of the week it is, is when, I, what, when I'm going to train. You know, if it's a, a shooting day, I'll be shooting. Then in the afternoon, I'll throw and lift. When, you know, after that. So it, it's very time management. You got to have very good time management because if you don't, you'll just be all over the place and you won't get the training that you need to get done. Here you are doing a sport. You were burned over 80% of your body. Do you have any residual pain? Uh, the only pain I really do have is in my left hand. Uh, and, but that's about it. The rest of my body, I really don't you know, don't feel pain. Maybe because I just don't have any more nerves that endings out there, but but it's really just my left hand. You know, that's if it wasn't for my left hand, I really wouldn't have any pain. You played team sports like baseball while you were growing up, and I wonder why sports have always played such a key role in your life. Uh, you know, since a little kid, I've always played sports, and sports have always helped me throughout my journey in life. You know, from losing my parents, you know. Team sports were there for me, you know, kept me focused, kept me on what I needed to do. And, you know, my teammates, they were there for me. And like I said, all throughout my life, you know, I've always had sports incorporated in my life to help me through my tough times in life. And certainly they've helped you since your injuries. They have. They really have. You know, sports are is a great recovery tool for any any person that is going through Something like I did, you know, losing fingers, you know, being disabled when you weren't before. So being able to do sports and know they can still be outside enjoying life is a very uh, comforting thing. Competing with your injuries, living with your injuries can't always be easy. Uh, Is there anything that helps you to stay positive, move forward, keep competing? Uh, The main thing for me that keeps me going is really my son. It truly is my my boy because I want to show him that, you know, no matter what happens, if you stay positive, stay motivated, you could overcome whatever obstacles that have come forward that are in front of you. And it's a promise also that I made to my dad uh, before he passed away that I always would take care of my family. And doing that, you know, showing my son that is my way of taking care of my family. 
DT, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you for having me, ma'am. We've been speaking with wounded warrior and athlete, U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant Israel Del Toro Jr. of Colorado Springs. He's just back from winning gold at the Invictus Games. We've posted photos and a video of him at CPRnews.org. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Andrea Dukakis. Summer concert season is so close you can almost hear it. track there from Denver's Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. They'll play a new festival this weekend called Project Past. It's just one of the live events we'll get a preview of from Rolling Stone contributor Steve Knopper, who's based in Colorado, and Alicia Sweeney from CPR's Open Air. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having me back again. I mentioned Project Paps this weekend in Denver. It's got Nathaniel Rateliff, a Colorado artist who's now an international artist. Alicia, who else will be there? Yes, Project Paps. It's almost like a homecoming show for Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats, first of all, since they've been touring the world. And we're so happy that they're going to be one of the headlining acts at this festival that's new to Denver this year. Also performing Violent Femmes. They're probably best known for a few of their cult classic songs from the 80s, but they've just returned with their first new album in 16 years. And I got to note this. The band has a Colorado connection. The lead singer of Violent Femmes, Gordon Gano, he's been living in Denver. Another act not to be missed at Project Paps, Charles Bradley, nicknamed the Screaming Eagle of soul music. He's 67 years old, discovered five years ago at a small club in Brooklyn where he would perform as James Brown. And now he's doing his own songs. And put this band on your radar, the duo from California, Best Coast, they really put on a lively show. Well, let's hear something by Best Coast. Another new event in Colorado is the Divide Music Festival. It's in Winter Park starting July 22nd. Steve, who's playing there? There's a lot of good bands on that bill at the Divide Music Festival. It's 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 kind of an indie rock-ish lineup, um, but Blondie's also on it. You know, the, the, great, the great new wave band Blondie. Um, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros are also a great band. Um, Mike Snow has been doing a lot of good stuff lately. Uh, the the kind of pointed, sometimes political, alternative ish rapper Kid Cudi is also on the bill. So so that that seems to be a good one. And Winter Park is always a a really great place to go see a festival in the summer. Let's hear music from Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. It's called No Love Like Yours. Don't know my attitude. Don't know a thing or two. Ain't sure about my name, don't know my style Don't know the dictionary, don't know what close to where I'm just in love with you, I don't know love No love, no love like yours Show me love, show me love 
And Steve, what do you like about the lineup the organizers of Divide have put together? It's just diverse. Uh, You know, I mean, I think Colorado, when it puts its festivals together, could easily put together a whole bunch of jam bands and just have hundreds of thousands of people come to this all the time. And so I always admire the local festivals for for thinking outside the box a little bit and looking at, you know, some indie rock and, and some hip hop and being a little bit more diverse. And, uh, and and this just has really good people at the top of the build. Uh, a little later, August 5th through 7th, there's a big music festival in Buena Vista this year called Vertex Festival. Who's on the lineup for this one? Yeah, again, that one sort of said, okay, we're, we're going to get the people in with, with the, the, the biggest jam band guy we could find, Trey Anastasio, the lead, the front man for Fish. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he'll be great. But uh, in addition, there are some other bands that are, uh, again, a little bit more diverse. Alabama Shakes, um, Rising Stars, you know, uh, I, I sort of thought they were going to be kind of like Southern rock stars in the mode of Leonard Skinner for a while, but totally not that. Have have a great front woman, um, Brittany Howard, and, and are just kind of going in all these really interesting different new directions and are great live. Um, and then also on the bill is Graham Nash of Cros- Crosby, Stills & Nash. Let's hear a little bit of Alabama Shakes. This is Sound and Color. is a little remote, so I notice Vertex, along with Divide and Winter Park, offer camping. Is that right? Yeah, they, they do have camping at those festivals. Um, pretty much all major festivals are doing camping of some kind. It's been sort of the trend for the last 10 years. Certainly the bigger festivals like Bonnaroo and, and so forth have, have been doing that. So, yeah, you know, bring a tent. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. We'll continue our look at the Summer Music Festival after a a break, including what many consider the main event for lovers of Colorado music. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. I'm Andrea Dukakis. Today we're talking about summer music festivals with our guests Alicia Sweeney of Open Air and Rolling Stone contributor Steve Knopper, who's based in Denver. Okay, the main event for a lot of local music fans in Denver is the UMS, or Underground Music Showcase, along South Broadway. It's July 28th through 31st. Alicia, what are some of the highlights this year? Ooh, the lineup is still being announced in waves, but I'm really looking forward to seeing a few local bands who don't play out too often. First of all, South of France, whose music just sounds like a warm summer day. Also, the epilogues to give me my rock fix, and also the spell who not only rock, but they put on a hilarious live show. In fact, their lead singer is comedian Ben Roy, and they all wear matching outfits. So that's just the local bands. But outside of Colorado, I'm really excited about the soulful leaf fields and the expressions, also electronic band Polisa, and this lovely up-and-coming singer-songwriter, Adia Victoria. 
Let's hear from Adia, um, at, who's playing at the UMS this year. Uh, Adia Victoria, a Nashville artist on the lineup. <laughs> Steve, it's hard to talk about summer music festivals in Colorado without mentioning the Telluride Bluegrass Festival. It runs June 16th through the 19th. Who are some of the artists headed to Telluride this year? You know, Telluride always has a, a, a fantastic lineup, and, and there's always kind of the bluegrass, bluegrass catnip acts, you know, the Sam Bushes and the Bela Flex, and they're always great. Um, but I always, whenever I look at the Telluride lineup, I always think about um, this time in the early 90s when there was bluegrass all day, and then John Hyatt showed up with his new rock and roll band and just kicked everybody's butts all over the place. And this year, the sort of rock and roll slot artist is Ryan Adams. Um, and he has a new album out. I just recently saw him in, in Austin, Texas, and uh, he really, really put on a good set. It's it's pretty aggressive rock and roll this time around. And, um, you know, he's got a presence. He, he's great. And then there's, a, you know, Lou Harris is on the bill. And, and it's it's always a good time in Telluride. Let's hear something from Ryan Adams, uh, who you said you're looking forward to hearing. There are always plenty of great summer performances that don't happen at music festivals. Um, Who are you both looking forward to seeing in Colorado this summer, Steve? Yeah, you know, I wrote down three names. Um, I always look for the best hip-hop festival or or bill on the summer lineup. And this year, I think it's, there are a few, but um, Fetty Wap and Ty Dolla Sign and DJ Mustard are at Fiddler's Green on June 10th. Um, and, and those three are all kind of leading lights of hip hop right now. DJ Mustard in particular is a 25 year old producer, um, who works with, with YG and, and a lot of other rappers. And he's, he's got a very distinctive kind of staccato sound. I really like him a lot. And then, uh, uh, more traditionally, um, Bob Dylan and Mavis Staples, that seems like a bill that can't go wrong on June 19th at Red Rocks. I, a lot of people get frustrated with Dylan because he doesn't do his old songs the same old way. But I think the way he does his, his stuff in his new way is always really fascinating. And then finally, um, Adele, July 17th at the Pepsi Center. I mean, it's Adele. You yeah. know, it's the Pepsi Center. I, I think it will be spectacular. Alicia, who are you looking forward to? 
Well, first of all, I got to say that no summer can be complete without visiting Red Rocks, whether it's the the Bob Dylan show. You know, some of my picks are the Flaming Lips, and they're going to be at Red Rocks later this month with the Colorado Symphony. Plus, Avid Brothers, they're going to headline their annual visit to Red Rocks with three shows, including on Saturday, July 30th with Jay Maskus. And a fun for all ages Red Rocks show, I always try to recommend this to friends with kids, is attending Film on the Rocks, where a local band is paired with a film. And on July 25th, they're going to show the David Bowie film Labyrinth and then opening up the School of Rock doing a tribute to David Bowie. So those are some of my picks this year. What is it about Red Rocks that's just draws people there for it, summer. It's so magical. It overlooks the city. You have you're surrounded by these rocks and there's just some otherworldly feeling when you're seeing a show there. And stairs. I think people like stairs. Right. <laughs> Lots of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end with music by the Flaming Lips. They'll play this track from their album The Soft Bulletin at Red Rocks on May 26th. Alicia and Steve, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Of course, thanks. I enjoyed it. Rolling Stone contributor Steve Knopper, who's based in Colorado, and Alicia Sweeney from CPR's Open Air. Their summer picks are at cprnews.org. That's our show for today. I'm Andrea Dukakis. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News.